The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon. I'm Jim Stanley sitting in for Brother Bert Harper today. He's having some inner ear trouble, and so he had to had to leave a little bit ago. So you folks mm. be praying for him. And uh, it's my pleasure to be with Dr. Alex McFarland. Hello, my dear friend Jim Stanley, and thank you for, as you so often do, you come and you help us out when we have a need, and, and I thank you. Well, it's my pleasure anytime to sit in. Um, hey, do me a favor, though. Would you take just a moment, because we're coming up on... Easter weekend, and this is Passion Week, and we know all, in fact, and we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit in Mark, the 10th chapter, picking up at the 32nd verse, as I understand it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But would you take a moment, because I'm pretty sure Bert's preaching this weekend. I'm sure you're preaching somewhere. Would you take a moment and just cover the pastors who will be preaching this weekend with prayer? Amen, Jim. What a great idea. Let's pray together, folks. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, Lord, this this week that we remember what you did out of love from Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry to the uh, Garden of Gethsemane and the upper room and then the arrest, the beatings, the crucifixion, but praise God, the resurrection. Lord, all of these things we reflect on. We're so grateful. Thank you, dear Lord, that you loved us so much to send Jesus to be our Savior. And so, Father, I, I pray for the churches around the world, uh, all of the churches and the pastors here in the United States of America. And, Lord, may the Spirit of God be upon all of us, especially the pastors that would preach. And, Lord, I just pray throughout the pulpits of America and, and the West and Europe that so desperately needs to return to Jesus and the world. Father God, empower the pastors to explain the good news message, the salvation, the resurrection, the empty tomb, the promise of forgiveness. Father God, anoint your church as never before, and this week may we be so full of the joy of salvation and just the power of the Holy Spirit and the willingness to talk to people, to invite people to church. Father God, make this Easter a harvest time Mm. and Millions would be added, uh, Lord, like the book of Acts says, such as should be saved. So save the lost, revive the church, extend your kingdom, glorify your name, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, as as you were praying, I, I thought of the of the children of Israel as they were wandering in the desert. And, you know, if they got snake bit, they were supposed to look upon the staff that had the snake on it, and they would be healed. How much more do we need to point people to the cross and he who was crucified on it so that they might be saved? You know, the the snake provided a cure. The staff provided the cure for a little while, but Jesus provides the cure for eternity. Mm. You know, Jim, you bring up that the, the serpent of brass, this is back in Numbers 21, verse 9, I was a young believer, and I'm reading the Old Testament, and I thought, wow, uh, you know, I didn't quite understand it, because Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man would be lifted up. And I thought, now why would the Lord compare himself to a serpent? You know, Mm. snakes are bad, and, uh, you know, this is... um, Genesis 3, the serpent. And so in Numbers 21, the children of Israel murmured against God. They were bitten by snakes. They were dying. Moses goes and intercedes, and God says, okay, make a serpent of brass, and whoever looks will live and raise this up. Now, uh, that's, as I said, in Numbers. And so Jesus in the New Testament compares himself to that. And so I'm like, why would he compare himself to a serpent? Okay, here's what I think is the answer, and you can weigh in on this. In uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He who knew no sin became sin for us. Mm. See, the serpent on the pole with Moses, that serpent was an image of what their problem was. Their problem was they were getting bitten by snakes. Okay, on the cross, Jesus became 
what our problem is. Our problem was sin, right. and sin brings death. And so, and it's just profound beyond description. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Second Corinthians five twenty one. It's amazing, isn't it, Jim? Absolutely is, and that's the promise that we see this week. That's the promise that we see fulfilled. You know, we talk about Good Friday, and Good Friday was when the price was paid, and then we think of Resurrection Sunday, and the fact that Jesus is is brought forth from the dead, and then you know, new life begins. the The apostles have a whole new outlook as they come to realize that he's been resurrected, you know? And so uh, that allows acts to take place. And then mm-hmm. we see the deliverance of, of Saul, who, who, Paul, who was called Saul, and we see all these things take place because of Resurrection Sunday, because of mm-hmm. the obedience of, of Jesus. I don't want to get too far ahead because we've got some amazing verses to go through here. But it's really exciting. I mean, it really is. Bert and I, a time or two, have preached on the resurrection, and Bert and I have said, this this is the fact on which all the other facts rest. Now, what I mean by that is, if Christ arose, and he did, in fact, uh, some great Scott, Gary Habermas, Michael Lacona, uh, N.T. Wright, William Lane Craig, I mean, men that have spent decades studying this, they will say the most documentable fact of the ancient world is that Christ rose from the dead. So if he rose, then all of the core foundation stones of Christianity are proven. Mm. God exists. God has intervened in the world. Miracles are possible. Uh, God sent his Son to be the Savior, the Incarnation. Um, Our sins can be forgiven. Uh, Another thing, the resurrection proves that the Bible is true because... Jesus, the only man that ever rose from the grave, repeatedly affirmed the authenticity and the authority of Scripture. So the resurrection of Christ really is that thing that corroborates and validates everything we believe. And Jim, I'll say one last thing. Uh, I know, you know, there are probably people listening, and uh, you've experienced a bereavement in the last year. Mm. And maybe at Easter Sunday... There's going to be a chair empty at your table, and that's sad. But here's the great thing. Uh, Easter also proves there's a reunion day coming. Amen. Hallelujah. That all of our loved ones that were believers, we're going to be together. We'll be in a glorified body. We'll one day be in that place where there is no more tears, no more death, no more sickness. The kingdom will be established, and the king is coming. Um. Bill Gaither was right. The marketplace is empty. In the courtroom, no debate, because Mm. the king is coming back. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in Mark, the 10th chapter today, picking up at verse 32, and we are going to Jerusalem. Uh, As the first says, now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Then he took the twelve aside again and began to tell them of the things that would happen to him. And so, you know, he he simply said, Behold, here's the words of Jesus in verse 33. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest and to the scribes. Now, we know that Christ talked about this before, about what was going to happen but this is the first time that it really names names and tell them who's going to do what. So that's that's an important note there that Jesus is basically telling them the chief priest and the scribes are the ones who are going to betray me. I'm going to be betrayed to them, and they're going to take this. And then it goes on to say, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. Alex, I want you to comment on some of that, but uh, before we do, let me let me say this one thing. Punctuation matters. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to note that I've looked at several different texts, and the New King James Version has a period after kill him. However, the, the, 
the King James, the Amplified, the New American Standard, and the Holman Christian Standard, they either have a comma, a semicolon, or a colon there rather than the period because it does it's not finite because and kill him take a breath and the third day he will rise again amen amen by the way folks um it, on saturday after the crucifixion okay it's interesting matthew 27 62 through 66 it says on the sabbath after the preparation day now this is saturday the chief priests and the pharisees went to pilate now this is interesting um this is matthew 27 62 and following they said this is the the chief priests and the pharisees they go before pilate which they weren't supposed to work like this on saturday but on the sabbath and they said do you remember while he was alive, he said, after three days I will rise again. So, Pilate, give the order for the tomb to be made secure into the third day. Otherwise, the, the, the next deception will be worse than the first. Now, here's the thing. Uh, you're right. It was the chief priest and the Pharisees that ordered this execution of Jesus. By the way, uh, Mark, we're not to Mark 14 yet, but Mark 14, 61 through 64 Jesus quoted Exodus 3.14 and Daniel, and he said, I am, and the Son of Man will come on clouds of glory. And they said, you've heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? He must die. So because he claimed to be the Son of God, they called out for his execution. But then the day after the crucifixion, Friday, the day after on Saturday, they go to Pilate. So... Um, we get that all of this took place because of their insistence that he die, but also the fact that they met with Pilate on Saturday, and it said the next day. That tells me the crucifixion had to have been on Friday, Jim. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and you know, we talk about it um, sometimes in terms of silent Saturday. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to note it wasn't Saturday. I think it should be called Scheming Saturday. Oh, my but, word. Yeah. Because uh, the, scri- agreed. <laughs> the scribes and Pharisees continued to scheme about putting a seal on the tomb and guarding it with soldiers in case the disciples should come and steal the body. Thus, what they were talking about, the deception there and Matthew. We'll be back with more Exploring the Word. Dr. Alex McFarland there. I'm Jim Stanley here in the studios of Tupelo on AFR. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for General Mark Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. As Chairman, he is the highest-ranking officer in the United States Armed Forces. Psalm 7872 reminds us of the importance of strong leadership. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for General Mark Milley as he advises the President. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to praise the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. A nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. There are many steps we can take to slow the spread of most diseases. But Dr. Tony Evans says there's only one treatment for the deadliest ailment that plagues humanity. He'll tell us more about it as we spend two minutes with Tony. There is, brothers and sisters, a disease that has infected the whole human race. It's called sin, and it's affected every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl, and it is terminal. However, there is a cure. The vaccine for this terminal disease is the good news of the gospel that we should be sharing, and its content is Christ died for our sins. Christ did not die simply to be a good example. He did not die simply because he was a great man and martyr. 
He did not die simply because he was misunderstood. He says that the message we preach is that Christ died for your worst disease. It is sin that separates men from God. It is sin that causes men to die physically and die eternally. It is sin that brings about the terminal declaration by a holy God. And only Christ can deal with sin. And so the message we share centers around a person, not a program. It centers around Christ. It is a focus on a person. If you've never taken the cure Tony was talking about, visit us today at TonyEvans.org and follow the link that says Jesus. There, he'll explain how you can be forgiven for everything you've done wrong and begin a brand new eternal life. Check it out today. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand God, any who seek God. Psalm 14, verse 2. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. It's Wednesday of Holy Week. You're listening to Exploring the Word. So honored that you're with us. Thanks for listening. We are in Mark chapter 10. And again, uh, this is the day, uh, Palm Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. This is Wednesday, sometimes called the Day of Silence. Uh, But on Holy Wednesday, they call it, uh, this was probably by now Judas had gone to consort and conspire to betray the Lord for 30 pieces of silver and on Thursday in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, we can talk about that tomorrow. But part of the reason that we reiterate and we talk about this, we urge you reflect and think about how much Jesus loves you, that he would go all the way to Calvary's cross for each of us to be forgiven. And, you know, the Bible says, whosoever will may come. And, folks, we often say this, that Jesus is as close by as a prayer. And this Holy Week. If you're not sure that you have salvation, you're not for sure that you've asked Christ into your heart, you can do that. We've got a ministry partner, and you can call a toll-free number. And look, no strings attached. There's no agenda here other than for you to be able to pray with somebody and know that you know that you know you have Christ in your life. It's uh, 877-NEED-HIM. N-E-E-D-H-I-M. Jim, do I have that number right? 877-NEED-HIM. I think it's just 800-NEED-HIM. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So 800-NEED-HIM. But if you want to come to Christ or come back to Christ, you know, call that number, and somebody will talk with you and pray with you. And what what an appropriate time to do that this Holy Week where we commemorate Easter. Amen. Well, we're at verse 35. Um, Alex, did you want to go back and say anything about 32 through 34? Um, No, but Jesus makes this promise again, and he'll reiterate this in the upper room about the fact that he would die, but he would rise again. Mm -hmm. And i got to tell you, it's convicting to read 35 and following. Okay, James and John, they ask him, they say, Master, would you do something for us, whatever we ask? And (laughs) verse 36 Jesus says, what would ye that I should do for you? Now, this is why this convicts me, because we often are prone to get our priorities wrong, too. Jesus is about to go through unimaginable suffering. Most important thing in the world, our salvation is going to be made possible by the pain that he would soon endure. And they say, here's what we want. Grant to us that we may sit, one on your right hand, the other on your left, in your kingdom, in your glory. In other words, they're thinking about themselves. Hey, I want the honor and the props. Whenever you do set up your kingdom, Lord, put me in the good seat. I mean, Jim, that's kind of what they were asking. It is. You know, some days, I, I and I say this, I, I don't mean this disparagingly to anyone, but some days I think the disciples were some southern rednecks. 
<laughs> all right. Well, because that here, would include me. <laughs> well, and here here's the thing. Jesus just described to them what's going to happen to him. You know, they're going to condemn him to death. They're going to deliver him to the Gentiles. They shall mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. So basically what James and John and their mom are saying is, you know, we believe you're going to come back like you say, and we we believe you're going to be in glory. And since you're going to go ahead and pay all that price for us, since that's over and done with, once that's over and done with, how about you just let us sit on your right hand and left hand? Would that be yeah. by your side? Would that be okay? And yeah. so, you know, I, I like what Jesus says there in verse 38. Go ahead, brother. Oh, yeah. You know not what you ask. He's like, you don't know what you're asking. So Jesus has a question for them. Can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Can you be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to go through? Verse 39, they said, we can, which is not true. No, but, but again, <laughs> arrogant. I mean, I think, of, I think of the disciples a lot of times that they're always looking out for themselves. I think back to when Jesus was asleep in the hold of the ship or the boat, and they came downstairs to get him because it was like, Lord, don't you even care that we're about to be killed? Mm. And Jesus wow. got up, and what did he do? Didn't say he shouted at the storm. He just spoke and said, be still. And so here again, a couple of the disciples are thinking of themselves, you know. Um, exactly. And, and it, like you, it convicts me because I'm afraid that I would be that way. You know, yeah. I, I would be looking forward not to what he said is going to be bad, but rather what he said that's going to be good. And that's that we want to do the easy part. We don't want to do the hard part. Uh, not to belabor the point, but but you're right. Like in, in 33 and 34, Christ has said, look, I'm going to be arrested, beaten, mocked, spat upon. I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to rise again. And so James and John go, so let me ask you this. How prominent? <laughs> so let me ask you, how prominent of a seat am I going to have in the kingdom? Isn't that sad? Now, uh, my friend Sean McDowell, who is the son of Josh McDowell, he did his doctoral thesis on how the apostles were martyred, right? And uh, so Jesus says in verse 39, well, you will indeed drink the cup that I'm about to drink, and you'll be baptized like I'm about to. uh, Jim, I believe verse 39 is a reference to the fact that all, whether it be uh, John on the Isle of Patmos being boiled in oil, that's how John was executed, and Peter was crucified in Rome, um, the the disciples, one by one, yes, they were martyred. So in a way, as Christ seems to allude to, and my friend Sean McDowell documents, um, yeah, the disciples, they did drink that bitter cup of martyrdom, didn't they? They did, and, and you know, that continues to this day somewhat. Not in America, not yet, but I honestly believe I can see a time when that day may be coming. But what we Heaven look forbid. at, amen. But, I mean, we think of the Christians in Sudan, we think of the Christians in China, we think of the Christians in Iraq and, and some of the other places where they have chosen death rather than uh, disclaim Christ. Mm. And here in America, we have people that have been Christians or, or have professed to be Christians, have written all these kinds of songs, have done all these kind of ministries, and they say, you know what? I think I might have been wrong about that. I'm just going to put Jesus to one side, you know, and and so it just drives me crazy the ease with which we do things that we do rather mm-hmm. than understand. And, and I think that's one thing that Easter does, um, uh, that Crucifixion Friday does is it drives it home, the mm-hmm. price that's being paid. Oh, yeah. um, who is it? Reverend E.V. Hill, is he the one that has the sermon that says uh, – it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Yes. Oh, man. Did you ever hear Evie Hill in person? I never had the opportunity to hear him in person, but I have listened to that sermon many times. Oh, let me tell you, folks, um, you'll get some glory bumps, and you'll get excited. Go online and look up Evie Hill. Uh, Angie and I had the privilege, uh, when I was at Liberty, we heard him 
Dr. Falwell would have Evie Hill come about once a year. Mm. And I want to tell you, one of the greatest revivals I was ever in, um, Evie Hill preached, and there was like a two-hour altar call. The entire Coliseum came to the altar. But, yeah, he would preach, and he kind of— he was a shouting preacher, but he preached, you know, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And this is so exciting, folks. You know, in verse 40, Jesus says to James and John, but to sit on my right hand and my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. Now, when the other ten heard it, they begin to be much displeased with James and John. Now, and again, the Lord is heading to Calvary's cross, and Somehow or another, the other ten disciples, they're going to argue with James and John now. <laughs> you know, Because it's not about, about you, Jesus. It's about us. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, there are people who suffer for the Lord. Let me just say this. Um, you, you, the Middle East, North Africa. Uh, mm. North Africa is an intensely Islamic part of the world. We know there are martyrdoms, and there really are. I'll tell you where there's persecution of Christians that you don't realize is in India. And several years ago, I was going to a Billy Graham conference for evangelists, and there were a group of evangelists from India, and um, they asked me to pray for them. And one of their colleagues that was going to come, this was in Amsterdam in the Netherlands, and we went with the Billy Graham ministry. But um, the the Hindus, I don't know if you know, there is a very violent sect of Hinduism that kills Christians in India and a minister was beheaded, and um, they said to me, they said, um, they gave the wife the guy's body, but not the head. It's very demoralizing. Uh, and they said, before we came to this evangelist conference, we had the funeral for the, the gentleman's body. And let me say, there are parts of the world where to be a Christian costs you. And I think about the people here in America that are woke, and they, um, they, they wouldn't dare preach a sermon against sin or against immorality or transgenderism. And so many pastors that wouldn't dare call their people to pray and let's let's be loving but vocal against wokeness mm-hmm. and abortion. And and by the way, George Barna, Barna Research Group, very respected. Barna says there are three hundred and forty five thousand ministers and eighty million adult born again believers. Maybe he says might be a hundred million believers, but let's take the low number: three hundred forty-five thousand pastors, eighty million born-again people. Jim, I've got to believe if we were bold and brave and vocal, we could turn this. Well, God through us could turn this nation around in a matter of weeks, if not days. Amen. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And um, look, it's it's time that w- let's not try to lurk back in the shadows, but let's get out there and bravely, obediently speak up for Jesus because there's people in the world that they do it even with the penalty of persecution and death. But at any rate, uh, verse 42 through 45, Jesus really, in in a way, reprimands them, and he says, you know, look, you, while you guys are jockeying for position, the Gentiles lorded over people, but it's not that way in my kingdom. Verse 43 and 44, the greatest in my kingdom, says Jesus, is the one who's going to be the servant of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He's the example. Um, he, uh, If you want to be like Jesus, don't be thinking about your name up on the marquee. Be thinking about how you can serve. Amen. And and uh, there in verse 45, that's probably one of the most important passages around because it says, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, he portrayed that by washing the feet of his disciples. And he even reminded them there, you know, that um, if he can't wash their feet, then they have no part of him. And then, of course, you know, they said, well, not just my feet, but go ahead and wash all of me. And, you know, Jesus again said, look, your feet's enough. Just and and it goes back to being obedient. Um, It wasn't he wasn't there to to give him a, you know, a, a makeover. 
he was doing what he was instructed to do by being a servant unto them, hopefully so they would see the picture of being a servant of all. And so here he's directing them back from themselves, from James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were wanting to be on his right hand and left hand. And then the other disciples are all pouty-faced because they don't get to, to do that if those two guys do. And Jesus is just like, come on, guys. You got to listen to me because I'm here to minister and to give my life a ransom for many. And so it's that's that's one of those verses that a lot of times we just gloss over and, and you know, move on. Yeah. Uh, Jim, I got to ask you, did you see the recent movie uh, Jesus Revolution? I have not seen it yet. No, sir. Uh, it's it's really special. I don't want to give it away, but um, I've seen it twice. And there's a scene in the movie that involves uh, foot washing and there's not a dry eye in the theater. It's mm. incredibly moving. But, you know, um, there and this would have been on Thursday, Maundy Thursday. And that's the Latin word for mandate. Go and do likewise. But they go to the upper room for the Passover feast. And then after sunset, just before the Passover meal, the the Last Supper, Jesus washes the feet of their disciples. And um, it's very moving because the call, you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, great Christian leader during World War II, he said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, I die daily. But the call to salvation is also a call to service, isn't it, Jim? Yes, sir, it is. And uh, Jesus did that. I mean, the, the, the Son of God came to minister to give his life. Verse 45, and I know we've got a break. And by the way, folks, if you want to call in, this is Exploring the Word, call. We'd love your Bible question. You want to join in the conversation. It's 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. If you've ever wondered, does God really love me? Yes, he does. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his love and that while we were all yet sinners, he died for us. Jesus um, he's not here physically to wash your feet like he did the disciples, but he'll do something better. He'll wash your sins away. Amen. And please believe that Jesus truly, truly loves you. And if you call out to him today, he'll receive you with open arms. You know, there, uh, and and I don't want to belabor it, but in Daniel seven fourteen, it says, He was given authority to rule and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Stick around. More Exploring the Word straight ahead on American Family Radio. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. I love AFR. You say it's on the radio, too? Here at American Family Radio, we know that many people find their audio entertainment in other places than the radio. So our programming is available with the AFR app on Apple and Android devices, through Amazon Alexa, and now available on Roku. I just love the podcasts. That, too. American Family Radio, streaming our podcast, now available wherever you are. And we're on the radio. Your health care is just that. It's your health care. It's yours. You are unique. God made you. So instead of being a number in a system, think about being a part of a community, one made for you. MediShare is health care sharing. It's not health insurance. It's a community of Christians who actually care about you and the things that matter most to you, like your convictions. You want to know your money isn't paying for things you don't believe in. Instead, now you're sharing. You're helping Real people, not a corporate bottom line. And when you have a need, they're there for you. Other MediShare members and staff even praying for you. For 30 years, MediShare has meant affordable, reliable health care. And when everything else seems to be getting more corporate and more impersonal, 
This is a breath of fresh air, and it may be just what you have been looking for. Call now. They're very easy to talk to. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. And who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Esther, a young girl, became queen of the Persian Empire when Israel was subject to Persian rule. A wicked man named Haman tried to get the king to exterminate all Jews. Esther, a Jew herself, was queen when this genocidal conspiracy was brought to bear. But her cousin Mordecai put her royal position in perspective. Perhaps God made you queen for this very moment, to intervene on behalf of the Jewish people. Like Esther, perhaps God gave you the platform, position, and influence you have for this very moment to stand against darkness. Perhaps you were born for such a time as this. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Triple eight. 589-8840, 589-8840 is the number to call with your question today. We have a trivia program coming up for you tomorrow afternoon, although nothing is trivial about about Easter or uh, Crucifixion Friday, Resurrection Sunday. That's not trivial, but you understand there's going to be, we're not going to be deep in study of something. We're going to take the afternoon and just allow you to ask some lighter questions, if you will. Now, another time that you'll be able to ask questions is the week after share A friend of mine is hosting mm-hmm. an event. Gosh, if I could just remember his name. Oh, I think it's Dr. Alex McFarland. Oh, wow. Jim, thank you so much. Um, hey, folks, it's coming up quickly. We're going to be in Paris, Tennessee. Now, that's not far from Nashville. It's not far from Memphis. It's Truth for a New Generation, April 21 through 23. And look, you don't want to miss this. And I'll tell you why. You can go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com, alexmcfarland.com. In person, somebody asked if it was video. No, in person, Abe Hamilton Third. In person, Will and Mickey Addison. In person, Bert Harper. I'll be there. The theme is Truth Matters. And look, I'll just put it this way. If you've ever wanted to be able to really understand and share your faith confidently in any situation, uh, you want to come to this event. There's sessions for teenagers, grown-ups. Look, we're going to get strong, and we're going to get a handle on biblical worldview April 21 through 23. Go online, sign up, and we'll see you in Tennessee just in about two and a half weeks. Amen. Look forward to that. And folks, do be in prayer for Sherathon coming up next week. Uh, We'll appreciate that, too. Well, Alex, shall we go to the phones? Let's do it. All right, we're going to talk to Margaret calling from Alabama. Margaret, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello to both of you. Thank you so much for taking the call. I was calling because I have recently talked to um, someone I spoke to before who's a new new believer, and I would like to put together a packet for him. He's a young man um, that has classic books and other items that would um, keep him from being deceived for growth and not to be deceived in um, new concepts. Mm. Uh, Well, God bless you, and thank you so much for... Uh, being a, a such a wonderful influence in the life of this person. You know, um, I've got to say this, and I give God the glory. We've got a book that Bert and I wrote together called 100 Bible Questions and Answers. And also, in that book, Bert and I wrote a section on what it means to be saved, how do we know that we, you know, assurance of salvation, um, how do you overcome temptation. So the book, 100 Bible questions and answers, which um, we've got some there because it's we did this product with and for AFA. Uh, there's a lot of you know hundred questions from the first ten years of exploring the Word, but there's a lot of just really good practical guidance for growing as a believer, standing strong. And um, how about we send you one of those? And uh, 
Could Alex, that's that's a great yeah. idea. We'll put Margaret on hold, and we'll be sure to send her one of those. In fact, um, we'll also send her a, a study Bible uh, for oh, the wow. new believer. And th- the reason I say that is because want to make sure that they have a, a, a whole Bible, not a paraphrased edition, because sometimes that's what new believers get. And so this is a solid study Bible. It's in the New Living Translation. You know, our friends from uh, from the publisher sent those to us, and so we still have some of those. And we'll give we'll send one to Margaret for the new believer because it's important that they have a Bible. And you know, Alex, we get that question all the time: What's the best Bible for someone to have? And we simply say it's the one that they'll read. You know? Right. Uh, Amen. King James, New King James, English uh, Standard. And then, you know, New American Standard and the Amplified Bible, et cetera. But yeah. one that they will read. And so, uh, Margaret, I think you'll find this one that they should find it easy to read. And uh, it's got some excellent study notes on there. So we're going to go ahead and put you on hold right now. And we're going to let our call screener, Dr. Robert, get that for you. And uh, he'll get your information so that we can send that to you. Alex, shall we move to the next call? Let's do it. All right. Brian calling from Oklahoma. Brian, welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, thank you all for taking my call. Uh, I really enjoy you all show every day. I uh, just wanted to encourage uh, Alex a little bit earlier mentioned about uh, all the Christians, you know, if we would get together and pray for our nation, just how great of a challenge, you know, that would be, but also a great influence, you know, on the on the country and turning the country around. And I want to challenge you all to maybe set up a date and a time and broadcast that and, uh, you know, to, to rally the troops, that we would have a day and a specific time. Y'all have a multitude of people that listen to y'all every day, and what a better way to get that out there and just pick a day and a time that, you know, even if it's a whole day that we just put aside, that everybody rally together and pray for our nation. You know, Brian, Amen. that's a great idea. Alex, uh, I think we could do something like that with a National Day of Prayer because we usually set that, that day aside on exploring the word to take phone calls and prayers, don't we? Amen, amen. Count me in, uh, Jim. Whenever, whenever this day is, I, I, you know, I should know this. I don't know when the National Day of Prayer is this year. I know it's usually the, isn't it the first Thursday in May? Very I think often? that's right, but I'm going to double check too because, um, you know, as I was suggesting that, I was thinking to myself, I don't know what. It's May fourth, Thursday, okay. May fourth, is when it's going to be, and so. Uh, you know, Brian, go ahead and plan to, to join with us that day. And that way we're not just praying with AFA listeners and AFR listeners, but we'll be praying with believers from across the country. I know our friends at the National Day, or the Presidential Prayer Team, mm-hmm. they have a time that you can actually sign up to pray. And uh, that, you know, that for that 60 seconds, that 90 seconds, whatever it is, that you know that's your time. And so they do that each year. And that is uh, the presidentialprayerteam.com, presidentialprayerteam.com, I believe is their website. Um, and so there you go. All right. Well, thanks for the call, Brian. We sure appreciate it. Let's talk to Michael calling this afternoon from Mississippi. Michael, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, good afternoon. How are you guys today? Good. Doing good. well. Well, uh... I was talking to a coworker of mine earlier a few weeks ago, and um, I could not answer this question. Um, he wanted to know what happened to all the souls of mankind before Jesus came um, to save the souls of men. You know, um, I could not answer that question. I, I would appreciate it if you could tell me where those souls are in eternity right now. Mm. Great, great question. Do you know they were saved by faith, uh, if they were saved. Habakkuk chapter 2, which was written 400 years plus before the birth of Christ, says that we are justified by faith. Now, the word faith means trust, so here's what happened. Um, All people had to believe and trust God's promise that one day a Savior would come. Now, Romans chapter 4 says Abraham... And Abraham is one of only millions, but it says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him righteousness. Now, here's the thing. Old Testament, New Testament, prior to Jesus 
and since Jesus. Everybody, if you are saved, you are saved by putting your faith in the Lord for salvation and forgiveness. Now, they looked in faith to the Messiah that would come. We look back at the Messiah that did come. Same Savior, Jesus, just two different sides of the cross. So, Jim, there were millions and millions saved before Christ was born, but it was through faith. Amen. All right, Michael, hope that helps. Appreciate your call this afternoon. Let's talk to Clay, also from Mississippi today. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, how are you doing today? Doing Good. well. Good. Uh, I'm listening today, and I've heard you describe how Jesus told his disciples what was going to happen to him, and then it states they understood not. What Can you explain that? All right, Clay. Um, I'm sure Alex will have a better answer than I do, but for me, I think it's a matter of perspective. Remember, we have the written word. We've been able to read through the through the different Gospels and compare them to each other. We've seen what happened in the New Testament. We even have the book of Revelation. So we have all that at our fingertips. What they had was they had a, a friend and a teacher who's telling them he's going to die. And remember, they had expected him to come as a reigning king, and he made it clear that he had come for the hearts of men and not to set up to rule and reign. But that that's going to happen when he comes again. So for me, I think it was a matter of perspective. Alex? Yeah, and, and you know what? Um, their grasp of the resurrection would not have been as complete as ours. Now, in Job, back in Job 19, Job, of course, said, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he will stand on the earth at the last day, and though worms destroy my body, yet in my flesh I will see God. But you had the Sadducees that were very influential, and they didn't believe really in life after death. And here's Jesus who says, uh, the Son of Man is going to be killed, but three days later I'll rise again. And, you know, we know Christ victoriously came out of the tomb, but, Jim, I've got to believe their grasp of the resurrection would only have been minimal. Mm -hmm. Now, the last verse of Hebrews 11, 39 and 40, you know, Hebrews 11, the Faith Hall of Fame, there's Moses and Deborah and Barak and Samson and all the great heroes of the faith. It says, these, having obtained a good report through faith, had not yet received the promise. And I think about this. Hey, praise God, we know the tomb is empty. We know the back of the book. Christ is victorious. And so we have every incentive to be stand strong for Jesus. You know, we know how the story ends, and it ends well. But at that point, you know, I think the idea that their beloved master, with whom they had walked for three years, he says he's going to die, I don't think they could hear much beyond that. Did you, Jim? No, and, and that's one of the reasons I said again for us, uh, you know, the perspective of it. Because like you said, we we understand what resurrection is only because Christ rose from the dead. Yeah. If we were still waiting for him to be resurrected, we wouldn't have an idea of what that means and why it's so important. And like you said, you know, they didn't have that frame of reference. They had not seen that yet. And so I think I think you're absolutely right. And so, uh, gosh, man, that's that's one of those that that's the only reason, you know, because we have both the Old and New Testament that we can read and study from. Well, let's talk uh-huh. to William calling from Illinois. William, welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, thank you. Um during the Great Tribulation, it said they will not repent when all the wrath is poured out upon them at times. That attitude has to be going into the Great Tribulation. I don't think that's going to just came during that time. I think we've got this attitude today with some that are going there with that attitude. And I think this is one of the great signs of the end time. Thank you, gentlemen. Mm. Wow. Hardness of heart. You know, it does say that during the Tribulation— and, and by the way, in some ways, the 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 plagues 
if you will, during the tribulation, in some ways mirror the plagues of Egypt, you know, when Pharaoh's heart was so hardened. And in, you know, Revelation chapter 16, it says that men curse God, they would not repent of their evil deeds. Jim, I don't want to get political, but I just saw this morning in the news where Chicago has, all right, they, homeless encampments in the lobby of O'Hare Airport. I've seen that myself. I was there in December. And they just got rid of a hyper-liberal, woke, lawless, defund the police mayor. And what did they do? They just installed another mayor in Chicago, maybe even more woke and leftist than the one they just were able to get rid of. I know. Why am I saying that? Look, the human heart can be incredibly stubborn. And so, yeah, there have been and there will be people that harden their heart. They will not repent. Let's not be one of them. The time to turn to the Lord is the minute you feel the Holy Spirit nudging you. Let's not be foolish. Let's not resist God. Let's turn to him as soon as we hear his call. Amen. Well, let's see if we can get one more phone call in. Um, And, folks, if, if you hear us kind of cutting in and out sometimes, we are... Having a thunderstorm here in Tupelo, and so you may be mm. experiencing rain fade. Um, and so don't think something's wrong. We'll be, if we fade out for a minute, we'll be right back. But it's not the government. I want to make uh-huh. that clear. <laughs> it's not. Anyway, that's a whole nother story. Let's talk to Daniel from Louisiana. Daniel, thanks for calling this afternoon. Yes, sir. I was calling about that scripture that says, if someone destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. Wanted to know uh, how someone would destroy the temple of God and how we avoid doing that. Right. Well, um, you know, Jesus talked about, you know, destroy this temple, meaning his body, and three days later I'll rise it up again. Now, Jesus, in Matthew 24, in what later would be called the Olivet Discourse, um, he talked about, he, he really alluded to the fact that Rome would one day destroy Israel. And he said there wouldn't be a stone left on top of the other. So, um, you know, heroes, Jerusalem was restored, but it's really going to get restored when he comes back. And that may be very soon. Amen. Folks, thanks for listening to Exploring the Word this afternoon. We sure appreciate you because without you calling in with your questions... Alex and I would just sit here and talk to each other, and that wouldn't be nearly as good. Alex, (laughs) thanks for letting me hang with you. Bless you, my brother. All right, y'all have a great afternoon. Stick around. Coming up next is Washington Watch here on American Family Radio. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.